RIP Market Rally, my weekly market review, October 2nd, 2022. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the demise and end of the summer stock market rally, which finally expired last week, as the entire set of gains since the June 16th prior lows were completely erased and new lows were made for 2022. The rally may have had only a short life, of two and a half months, but it impacted the lives of millions of people during its time here on Earth. It turned many investors into believers that the year of pain was finally ending, the bottom had been reached and the skies were clearing. However, it got exposed as just another cruel bull trap, just like the one we experienced in late March. When the autopsy results came in, the cause of the rally's death was determined to be Jerome Powell's Jackson Hole speech on August 26th, Michael Myers-style inflation that will not die, and the collapse of the giddy self-delusion of many investors who had convinced themselves that what they wanted to happen was what was going to happen. At the beginning of August, with the rally underway, I posted this on Instagram. A bear market rally has just one job to try to fool investors into believing that the bear market is over, which unfortunately proved very prescient. Also, if you've been a regular reader of the under the hood part of this report, you will have learned that there were many, many technical deficiencies with the rally that made many skeptical of its sustainability. The S&P 500 lost about 9% for the month of September and the Nasdaq plunged 10.5%. For the third quarter, the S&P fell 5% and the NASDAQ declined 4%. I will shortly be sending a Q3 market review as part of a new quarterly service to subscribers. The UK central bank, the Bank of England, announced on Wednesday that it would take action completely contrary to UK Treasury policy and start massive buying of the country's government bonds in an attempt to check the frenzy afflicting UK bond and currency markets, brought about by what is quickly becoming known as the Trustafuck, a stimulus plan announced by the UK's new Prime Minister Liz Truss and her finance minister, Kami Kwasi Kwarteng, that basically stuck a finger up to financial markets and mainstream economic orthodoxy. For a few hours, at least on Wednesday, it looked like it might have worked. Pressure on interest rates ease not only in the UK, but around the world. In the US, the interest rates for the benchmark 10-year Treasury note, which had briefly climbed above 4% for the first time in more than a decade, quickly and dramatically slid back down on the back of the BOE announcement. By the end of the day, it was at 3.71%. That's its steepest one-day drop since Lady Gaga drew our attention to her poker face in 2009. Bond yield moves like what we saw in just one day last Wednesday in the US and UK often take months to play out, but these aren't ordinary times. Most stocks initially ripped higher as a result, although conspicuously absent from the sector leaderboard was technology, which was held down partly by Apple after the company announced that it is dropping plans to boost iPhone production due to disappointing demand. The relief was temporary, however. 
probably not helped by an absolute car crash of a media round by Prime Minister Truss trying to justify her policy initiative. And by Thursday lunchtime, stock markets everywhere had given back all of Wednesday's gains and more, and interest rates were shooting higher again. Markets found it easy to find more to get anxious about. The Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge came in hotter than expected. The Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, PCE, rose 0.6% in August, indicating that inflation is becoming more structural. The PCE doesn't have housing and rents as as big a component as the Consumer Price Index does, so the fact that it is still rising is worrying and simply provides more cover for the Fed to continue to aggressively raise interest rates. Situation in Ukraine deteriorated as Russia annexed eastern regions following sham referenda. The temperature was also raised by damage to the Nord Stream gas pipelines that NATO blamed on Russian sabotage and said the attacks on European energy security could be met with a military response. All of which raises the question, when does all this shit stop? I would say the answer is threefold. One, a meaningfully softer CPI number. Next release is on October 13th. If the consumer price index drops enough, that will signal disinflation is quickly taking hold and we could easily see a 5% or more rally in the stock market because it will call into question the Fed's damaging dot plot and likely result in a decline in the all-important expected terminal rate, what the Fed funds rate will be at the time the Fed stops raising rates. Two, better than expected earnings. Q3 earnings season begins on October 14th, Earnings concerns are pressuring stocks. If companies come out like some did in Q2 and basically say business is holding up fine, that will go a long way to easing concerns about an imminent collapse in corporate earnings. And three, more dovish Fed speak. The Fed does have a history of blinking on rate hikes when economic data seems to justify a pause at least. If the rhetoric of Fed presidents and Powell's press conferences start to focus on acknowledging the slowing economy and the relative success of their shock and awe policy of raising interest rates at such an extraordinary pace, then expectations for that terminal rate may begin to drift lower, and that could result in a big relief rally that could possibly prove to be sustainable. One little noticed silver lining to what has been happening is the interest you can actually earn these days. Most portfolios have at least some bond exposure, which has been a problem on a price basis in 2022 as interest rates have rocketed. It is, however, worth reflecting on the fact that one year ago, these were the approximate prevailing interest rates in various parts of the US fixed income market. Short-term government bonds paid 0.3%. Corporate bonds paid 2.3%. High-yield savings accounts paid 0.3%. High-yield bonds paid 4.4%. Now, these are the approximate yields today. Short-term government bonds now pay 4.4% instead of 0.3%. Corporate bonds now pay 5.6% instead of 2.3%. High-yield savings accounts now pay 2.3% instead of 0.3%. And high-yield bonds... 8% instead of 4.4%. So keep your chin up and make absolutely sure you read the article of the week this week for more about why it is actually a much better environment for regular ongoing investors than the one we were in this time last year 
when it seemed we were seeing new stock market highs almost every other day.